You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colonna Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Big Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, fervent Cam Newton supporter. I will draft Derrick Henry next year. I will draft Derrick Henry next year. I will draft Derrick Henry next year. And BFFs with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys. We have Scotty Miller fanboy, head excavator for the Robert Tanyan Canyon, hopeless Lamar Jackson romantic, and proud father of left tackle Quentin Nelson, the tight end whisperer Jordan Smith, and fantasy football's premier internet doctor, loather of Adam Geese, is kind of falling for Mitchell Trubisky and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, the ginger stepping on my turf must man nick bodiford guys how are you doing today doing well good pete how you doing i am well uh any of you guys have championships on the line slash looking like you're taking steps towards a fantasy championship this year no i was very much hamstrung in a couple leagues by Derek carr unfortunately getting an injury Mm -hmm. and keenan allen not playing like keenan allen because of injury Knew I should have sat him, but what can you do? Yeah, well, he I, uh, also legit told you to start him, which is like, come on, Keenan, know yourself. That, that's where I was like, okay, he's feeling good. He's good to go. Right. And Keenan Allen, like the number five receiver, even if he's at like 75%, is still pretty good. Now, tough look. Tough. I, I had to experience more than one uh, Josh Allen this week. And uh, <laughs> that'll do it. That, that, that will take you down. Yes. I w- didn't even have the joy of making it to the semifinals. So I was at a, a relaxing weekend. Actually, my weekend was stressful because Becca is was in the semis in our home league, actually in the finals, because we have our finals end uh, this week because I guess I don't like two-week things. I'm the commissioner. I don't know why. Suddenly, suddenly it was like week 15 finals, and I was like, oh, this is weird. I wonder why I did this. Um, but anyways, uh and so there was a lot of stress in our household because she was debating between Jalen Hurts and Philip Rivers to add off waivers and start. And uh, she went with Philip Rivers. And now she's down by, I think, like 10 or so and needs Eric Ebron and Deontay Johnson to outscore Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool. So we'll see. I think two uh, week playoff things are like. There are a lot of bad things in the world, but I think that they're up there just with like general terrible experiences. If you're a fan of the 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 multi-week playoff thing where you have to play somebody twice, I don't want anything to do with you. Yes. Okay, good. All right. I was I was wondering where that was. Yes, I agree. I think that was my logic behind it. The two weeks playoff schedule is it's too much. Why are we doing that? I, and why, and why, and people who have divisions, no, I, I hate it. I hate it. And I hate divisions. And, <laughs> and especially if you have like a commissioner who has any sort of questionable level of integrity, if they get to organize the divisions, it's just like, I don't, you were, you were setting up for a lot of uh, tomfoolery to, or chicanery or uh, what have you, nepotism. Nick is definitely uh, targeting all of the leagues he's in because he feels like they're all run by oh, corrupt commissioners. I, I left one that I had been in for years uh, last yes. year after I, I had, no, like I had like in writing from the commissioner that he was engaging in collusion and like- <laughs> Why would a just, commissioner ever sign up? Why? He had his own definition of collusion. So it was like, he like basically intentionally- pardon me, but fucked somebody over uh, because they wouldn't trade with him. And he like wrote out, he told me how he had this like scheme and it like, it was the like Webster's definition of collusion. And I read it to him and he's like, yeah, but that's not like what collusion is in fantasy In fantasy. It's something else. And I was like, 
if you want to do that, that's fine. But you got to tell everybody else that we're working with your dictionary, not Webster's. And anyway, I that kind of stuff. Leave Love it. if you have a stressful league, leave. It is not worth it. It's not worth four months of your time. Yeah, that's the that's the 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 five that is often at the end of a fantasy season. Just always remind yourself, like, take a moment to reflect and be like, was that enjoyable for me? Because if it's not enjoyable for you, why are you doing it? The whole point of fantasy is to have fun. And if you're not having fun, then maybe you either need to change your league, you need to change up how you play, uh, whatever. I quickly before we get into the news and our and some dynasty targets, uh, what we got on the docket today, I quickly do want to say, do you guys what was your guys' vibe on the whole Josh Jacobs? spiel that went down last week where Josh Jacobs on I on Instagram was like, I'm not playing. And then was like jokes I'm playing and not to point fingers, but a certain ESPN fantasy analyst whose last name rhymes with cherry was very upset about that. And I just was like, what are we doing here? Really? That's that's you're going to get super upset from a player being like, I don't really care about fantasy and I don't feel any obligation to like, tell you how I'm feeling or playing. I was like, I, I, I was, I didn't quite understand the uh, outrage that the fantasy community uh, threw at him. Uh, my opinion on it is that I don't think either one of them was right, but I don't think, I think both of them were engaging in something that neither of them had to, like they were just kind of wasting their energies on like Josh Jacobs. I'm sorry. Fantasy football is kind of a thing. People like doing it. They like playing it. We understand if you hate it, you're not beholden to us or like you don't owe us any explanations or anything like that. But like you probably have a lot of fans of your own team who are like, hey, I drafted you because I like you as a player and you're on my team or I'm a Raiders fan, et cetera. But Matthew Barry also has to remember, like, these guys don't care. They have they have careers. It's not like they go out and have fantasy pools of podcasters or like you know you get points for minutes we would not be 101 let the record show that <laughs> um, i i just think it was like a really weird moment in the fantasy season it's like you guys so just, weird they need to not engage in it at all just let it go yeah I, I think for me this kind of comes back to something that we talk to the audience about from time to time and that's if you have a bad week or whatever don't fucking tag players Yes. And, and like, I, I don't know what Mr. Jacobs reasoning is. And, and this is someone who's been a massive critic of drafting him in fantasy. I don't go after this guy. I don't tag him and say, Hey, I knew you weren't going to catch any passes this year. It's my job <laughs> to tell people if I think he's going to catch passes or not, but I don't try to harass this person. Right. Right. Like, and, and I, I, and will venture to guess that he experienced some amount of harassment after being he's, he's playing banged up. He's not getting the workload that, you know, we were told by many that he was going to get. I think that there are a lot of disappointed fantasy managers. And I think he responded to that by saying, fuck these people. The Raiders fans are my fans. I'm not offending any. I mean, I can see him saying I'm not offending any Raiders fans. I right. love the Raiders. But all these people who have been tagging me and, to, you know, telling me, I mean, the, the shit that, that people say are like drive off a bridge, right? Like it's it's really nasty stuff. And I, so when this whole thing exploded and we had people, I mean, a lot of people that I really respect were like going to bat for Barry. And so it was weird. Just, it was so, and I mean, Matthew Barry, so he's a guy who I was always shocked that he was willing to continue using uh, the Washington football team, their actual, you know, real name. Um, and he, you know, hell the Redskins, like he shouted, right? Like whenever it came up, he, he loved it. And I always had this thing where I was like, you know, it, it's supposed to be a family program. It's supposed to be this like uh, high quality uh, moral program. And I, I always had this like, why, why does he do that? And well, it turns out he's just a fucking asshole. And I, I just, I, I got so angry. I was watching a movie when I, I was checking Twitter and I had to like pause and calm down when I was seeing this. Cause he, he did for his TV show for Matthew Berry's TV show. He did a segment called don't be this guy. And it was about Josh Jacobs. And he went on this tirade about how no one has ever wronged you, Josh. How dare you do this to us? And it's like, are you actually going to act like 
half people who do fantasy don't harass their players. This is absurd. You're act, you're acting like he's personally attacked you. What I think happened is Josh Jacobs tweeted this thing. I already put it on Instagram. Matthew Barry said, Hey, don't play him. And it made Barry look like an asshole. And okay. Stay that part, but don't make this some moral grandstand about how Josh Jacobs, it just how could you do this to us? And that idiot Daniel Dops up there next to him. Yeah, Josh, it just kind of felt like a little slap in the face. Try, imagine getting harassed like Josh Jacobs, you fucking asshole. And maybe he's still mad. Like you guys, I anyway. Totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And Matthew Barry, Matthew Barry's getting added, added to Nick's list right under Dave Damashek. Yeah, that's true. But like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's up there. He's doing he's doing a whole segment on his television show to harass this person while saying that Josh Jacobs has never been harassed. And I yeah. uh, put it in the dictionary next to entitlement. I can't stand Barry. It's just, I thought it's just it was really sometimes it's again, it's again at the end of the fantasy season. Take a moment and reflect and realize it's a game. It's a game and you should enjoy it. And everyone, and if you are so, I don't know, like if it's so all consuming that you just can't brush something like that off or, or, or that like morally offends you that a person would dare do that to you. Well, maybe it's time to reevaluate what your relationship is with fantasy football. Just, just an idea. And Josh Jacobs is like, um, mercurial guy like he's right. not somebody who is focused on all these outside things he's focused primarily on football and I I don't know if you guys remember this from the Raiders hard knock season but Josh Jacobs didn't show up on that program at all like he was purposely trying to avoid it so he's like he's not the kind of guy that like is out there like trying to get attention or trying to do this that and the other thing he's singularly focused on football right now and that's okay for, with me because the Raiders have looked like garbage lately and they need to focus on football yeah yeah um all right well good uh, that was I feel like that was an important conversation to have because the whole fantasy community got their little uh underwear in a bunch and I was very confused by that uh all right but let's the Listen to the little guys in fantasy football circles, not the guys from these big behemoth companies. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen to, I mean, like, uh, like a group of, you know, like four friends who kind of get onto a weekly show, you know, they maybe talk, uh, talk fantasy football. They talk about other things too. They've been known to talk about like movies and, and superhero comics and you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. Those, those are the kind of shows that are fun to listen to. You know, if I were just, just throwing it out there. Uh, you know, maybe fantasy uh, fantasy podcasts where they interact with, uh, you know, all-star college wide receiver Jamar Chase, who randomly liked a tweet of ours this weekend. So that was cool. <laughs> so we're now we're famous. That's great. Come listen to us. All that without having to tag the player in the original tweet. I so, mean, that is that him. is that's some clout right there for us. So you should definitely come uh, subscribe to the <laughs> to the RB One podcast. All right, we're gonna eventually talk football. So let's 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 get into it and let's talk some news. All right, off the top, uh, we have two players, big name fantasy players, who are done for the year. Uh, Michael Thomas was put on IR before the Saints played the Chiefs on Sunday. And then coming out of that game, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire left with an ankle injury and is also expected to be gone for the rest of the season. Obviously, unless you are a crazy psychopath who plays in a league that has any kind of championship or games on Week 17, this means both these guys are no longer available for you for, if you're playing for a fantasy championship next week, for Week 16. Uh, Nick, for both of those guys, either of those guys, what is that in terms of fallout for you? So, I mean, uh, Mike Thomas, is, it's been pretty clear. Sanders, I think, elevates to the the number one spot, uh, depending on, you know, matchups. Uh, and that that can come down to, like, injuries at the safety position, that kind of stuff. Traquan Smith might be uh, uh, viable as, you know, a, a spot start in, in, like, a deep league. But, I, you know, Sanders is going to get a lot of looks. And I haven't – I actually haven't looked through the, the box score on that one, so I'm not sure how Jared Cook did. But it was promising to see Cook kind of turn it around over the last few, few weeks with – Taysom Hill when initially they, they did not um, click. And then, I mean, as, as far as CEH goes, I, you guys might have to uh, fill me in on, on that one. Cause like, I, like, uh, like Michael Thomas, I have not yet really looked into the way that the, the touches broke down in this one, but I know that early in the year, okay. It looks like they did load up Le'Veon Bell. Okay. So that's really promising because earlier on, 
um, you, you know, when, when CEH was ill and he like, he suited up, but he didn't go on the field and they just, uh, Le'Veon Bell got like 40 yards or something and, and yeah, did nothing. So seeing Bell, uh, get, you know, north of 15 touches, that's really promising. I think he's a, a must add. Yeah. I would say that for redraft leagues, if you lose Michael Thomas, unless he, like helped your team rally into the playoffs at the end of the season. I don't imagine a lot of teams in the finals have uh, Michael Thomas anyway, because he missed a good portion of the year and therefore wasn't helping you out. Um, But he was starting to get back to regular Michael Thomas thing. So that definitely sucks there. Um, Ever since the chiefs added Le'Veon Bell, uh, the CEH touches have kind of declined. Um, And he kind of seemed to turn into like a touchdown dependent play at this point um his carries kind of remained relatively similar to what they were earlier in the year but there's a pretty big dip in the um targets and the reception so that was really something that was hurting you I don't know if I trust Le'Veon Bell that much because I watched a good amount of that game yesterday against the Saints and he didn't look that good either so he looks slow yeah and they are facing the Falcons, who do have a who have been stout against the run this season. The Chiefs are. That is. Um, that being said, the Chiefs' offense, I just kind of feel like is ignore whatever defense they're playing because they just seem it doesn't seem to matter like who they play. I mean, the Saints were the best team against tight ends, and I know Travis Kelsey is a world beater in of himself, but like he didn't 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 suffer at all playing the best team against covering tight ends. So uh, so I would I feel like you could fire up bell but i also agree with you jordan that i do i have the utmost confidence that he's going to like return you run rb2 numbers maybe not i don't know if i would necessarily stake a fantasy championship on him all right moving on to the news more running back injuries uh james robinson left the jaguars game with an ankle injury he did return uh, but it is something to monitor just because the Jaguars and we're going to, this is going to be the final bullet point of the news. Can't wait for this conversation, but the Jaguars now uh, are in line for the number one overall pick. Uh, and so I don't know necessarily if they're going to push James Robinson to get back onto the field. It feels like a situation where uh, maybe they just kind of shut him down for the year. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, that's certainly something to monitor. And then uh, Raheem Mostert left, the 49ers game with an injury. He re-injured the same ankle and didn't return. Uh, Jeff Wilson then took over. Jeff Wilson also dealt with some injuries, but it sounds like he's fine. So, uh, so of course, the 49ers backfield yet again gets thrown into turmoil uh, due to injuries. That This backfield just has never been able to settle, and I can't even imagine. I have had no part of it this year, and I can't even imagine being a fantasy manager and having a part of it because just the back and forth would would make me motion sick. Well, hopefully everybody listening to this has already been a, a longtime owner of Jeff Wilson Jr. We've been singing his praises for some time uh, in the rundown. I think it was really irresponsible of Kyle Shanahan to roll Raheem Mostert out there. He like high ankle sprains. Um, they they take friggin' forever to to recover. So like uh, Jesse Morse, he was talking about Dr. Jesse Morse. He was talking about this injury last week uh, or in preparation for for um, week 15's game. And mentioned that Alvin Kamara last year, when he suffered high ankle sprain, um, he knows his trainer. He knows uh, Morse's, uh, uh, excuse me, Morse knows Kamara's trainer. And so he was talking to him about like basically the recovery. And he said it, it was was not until well after the season had ended that did Kamara actually return to 100%. And I know this isn't like terrific analysis, but the fact that he was in enough pain after the game last week in week 14 that Mostert had to go get an MRI to see if the ankle was okay. I, I don't really like that. And and the fact that they have Wilson there who they can just kind of saddle up for, for 20 carries, I, I think it was irresponsible for them to, to roll Mostert out. And I mean, it now it's, this could be, he could be out for a really long time. So add Mostert. I'm not sure what, uh, uh, Jermichael Hasty. I think he went on to injured reserve. I don't know what his status is right now. Um, but he'd be a guy to look at. I don't think Jarek McKinnon is going to do a whole lot. The whole legs tired thing is a really bizarre, um, you know, comments or, or designation that they've given him. So I don't know if we can um, believe in him for that. And as far as Robinson goes, dude, what a friggin' cool success story. Um, totally. He, he's been so much fun this whole year. I feel bad that I, I doubted him to begin with, but he proved me wrong. Um, 
I don't know if they're going to put him back out there though. I think it's really similar to, to Mostert where, well, I mean, in this case, if they're not playing for anything, should they put him out there? I don't right. think that they should probably best to plan on uh, not having him. Now that said, do we rush to add divine Zigbo? I think I prefer Le'Veon Bell against Atlanta than just divine Zigbo regardless. I don't know. How, what do you guys think? I think there are other running backs that you could target on waivers who I would trust a little bit more than, you know, buying into the Jaguars backfield uh, as a backup, like uh, um, who's still widely. Oh, um, oh my goodness. What's his name? Well, first of all, Ito Smith, they just said that Ito Smith is now the starting running back for the Falcons. So there's someone you can add off waivers. And also, and I was thinking of Savon Ahmed who looked great against the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots run defense is absolute garbage, uh, but they, he looked great against the Patriots. And I have no idea what exactly the status is in terms of um, not Kenyon Drake. That's who I wanted to say. Who's the uh, Gaskin. Thank you. Miles Gaskin. And they play the Raiders next, next week. And the Raiders also have a terrible run defense. So I would, I would, wouldn't be surprised for Ahmed to also have a, another really strong game and be a guy who so that's, that's if I were someone who found himself in one of these running back quandaries, I feel like that would be my top target. And also, I mean, Tony Pollard kind of was pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad because I gave a lot of people advice on Twitter who were like, should I play Tony Pollard or this person? And I was always like, ah, what's Tony Pollard really going to do? Well, Tony Pollard went for like two touchdowns and 120 total yards. So he's, like, ah, shit. He is a better dual threat running back than Ezekiel Elliott is. He's, you know, he can't hold a candle, I don't think, to, to Zeke's like rushing ability. But as far as what he can do as a receiver, I mean, he can play slot receiver. Like, that's what he was he doing. Looks great. At, yeah, at, at, at Memphis, that's that's what he was doing. Shout out to uh, Salvin Ahmed. Uh, that was cool. He you know told his grandmother who was in the hospital that he was going to go get her a hundred yards, and he and he did. And like, which hadn't right, happened. Right I, I didn't realize this. The Dolphins hadn't had a hundred yard rusher since like 2016 or something. Yeah, it's been years. <laughs> yeah, it's like Jesus. Come on, Dolphins, get your shit together. Yeah, so that's was, cool. Was it Frank Gore was he the last hundred yard rusher? <laughs> Probably. Oh my god! I I hope it was. Stats and information is on it. Yeah. Like, um, oh god. It it's it is weird though. Like going back to the Niners, just how badly they've been bit by the injury bug this year, and deciding to like trot a guy out there who wasn't completely ready to go. Um, even though like these football players are just built different, so I'm sure he had a large say in like whether or not he wanted to play, and he went out there and did. Um, but yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr. was somebody that who has been pretty good. Um, and if he gets like a more heavy workload, that's always good for him. And you should probably have him sitting on your bench somewhere, especially if you have uh, Mostert. Uh, the James Robinson thing especially sucks um, because he's been a, a good player. He's not gone um, in the single digit range for PPR points all season long, which is which is great. You just love to have a high floor guy. Um, I thought for a second there that the Jaguars fired Marone, but I guess not. So I was thinking that like in terms of sitting their players and like really going all in to bring Trevor Lawrence in and get that first overall pick. Um, I thought that might be a little bit more out of the question because interim coaches tend to try to win because uh, yeah. they're auditioning, but um, it looks like they're still rolling with Marone, uh, unless he gets fired after the season. And, um, you know, maybe he's just like, he's convinced ownership, um, Chad Khan that he needs another year with the quarterback that he drafted. Who knows? Um, yeah, Jaguars actually have a cool coaching staff, but that's for a different, different time of day. I think, I think Jordan, you are a hundred percent right. Frank Gore week, uh, six in 2018 for the Miami Dolphins rushed for 101 yards at the age of 44 at the age of 35 <laughs> to be Absolutely fair that's probably, that's probably the only Dolphins running back I can remember from the past seven years <laughs> well so. you nailed it right on the head um, all right finally in the news it's not fantasy related but I just find it absolutely hilarious that the jets beat the rams and uh and now no longer have the number one overall pick and it's going to the jaguars it just brings me so much joy for a for a patriots fan who's the patriots are now out of the playoffs and all the patriots twitter's battling internally as to whether or not cam newton should be this court team's long-term quarterback i brought it brought me so much joy to watch the jets just absolutely shit away uh the first overall pick because they beat the rams just incredible love to see it 
I, I, I think, think that oh go ahead nick um well the the jets were a weird case because jared goff looked awful but quinn and williams looked like he i told my friends that he like space jammed aaron donald's powers and he like he looked, looked exactly fucking like him, incredible basically. yeah um he was like a very good penetrating defensive lineman but um it, it sucks i'm gonna give jets fans if there are any out there yet a little bit of hope that you don't have to have the number one overall pick as we've seen the past couple of years to get like the true franchise guy. Now Trevor Lawrence is probably like as close to a sure thing as you can get at the quarterback position when you're coming out of college. But if they have the number two or number three pick, they can still probably get a, a solid starter. As long as they get rid of Adam Gase, they'll be, they'll have a chance to develop somebody good. It would make me so happy if this was the week that the Jets decided to fire Adam Gase. It's like we were keeping Adam Gase just to keep losing, and then he won us a game, so now he's out. <laughs> well, I so I think that um, I think that Cam just to, to the to the New England point, Pete. I think that Cam yes, kind of hijack the Jets segment to talk about the Patriots. Who wants to this talk about my dream? I mean, just like <laughs> I love it. Elon Musk is trying to, you know, figure out who we should blast into space what? first. How did we put, get on Elon Musk? Put Adam Gase on the front of the fucking rocket <laughs> and just, just leave out the technology that lets it land again. So, okay, so to the cam point though, I think that he had a mediocre uh, enough of a year that I don't think there's going to be much competition to sign him in the offseason. And so I, I think whatever the Pats do – um. Is, is probably going to be like the, the move to feel comfortable with, because I, I think that you can, I, you know, I can't, but I think Bill Belichick can look at him and go, I see what I can do with him. Or I see that I, I can't do anything with him. Um, and he didn't, he didn't play well enough that he's going to deserve a, right. a high contract, right? Like you, you can get him, you can probably get him on like a, a low two, two year deal. I mean, I, I've, Jameis came off of 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns and got a mill deal from the Saints. So I think yeah. I think you could get another kind of pretty cheap deal for Cam and bring him back for a year. Maybe you draft someone. Maybe you like – I think he's going to add competition there. What I want is then go get Allen Robinson and let's see what Cam Newton could do with like a legit number one target. All right. Uh, we're going to talk some Bilo dynasty targets uh, that you should do if you are no longer in fantasy contention. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, so... As I have said, I have nothing to play for anymore. So in my dynasty leagues, I'm starting to think about hmm, my off-season moves. Who should I take advantage of and try to get onto my team? Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some bio candidates, uh, players who you might be able to, you know, trade with uh, league mates who have a lot of potential moving forward didn't put it together this year, or maybe even just had an absolute garbage year this year. Uh, but there is still hope for them in the future. Now I will quickly say, before we get into our own individual picks, I wanted to give a group one because mainly I just want to talk about Jalen hurts and how Jalen hurts has been playing just absolutely incredibly. And it is not a good look for Doug Peterson that it took this long for him to, you know, take over the starting gig, given how bad Carson Wentz looked, uh, so if first off, if Jalen Hurts is available in your in your league, you should be adding him this millisecond. Second off, though, do you guys feel that Carson Wentz is a buy low candidate for 2021? Um, given the fact that he's thrown a little bitch fit about if he's not starting in Philly, he doesn't want to be there. 
do you think that that Carson Wentz can be salvaged and is going to get trade or are you like that I don't want any piece of it I would say for the right price um and it depends in your dynasty like are you a contender have you made it to like the final four of your league are like are you one of those guys who's going to enter the draft next season and have like draft picks that are towards the back end at a couple of rounds or something like that then maybe you can be like hey here is a third or a second round pick let me take Carson Wentz off your hands and you can just sit him on your bench see if another team goes after him another team will likely want him um it depends on if the Eagles are actually willing to part ways with him because they've been pretty vocal in the past about how they call their backup QB the second quarterback or however they phrase it um so I I would say for the for the right price if you want to take a flyer on him there are worse ways to spend your draft picks so uh as an I I just a question to to pose to you guys I've never uh, had the pleasure of, of playing in a dynasty league before and I'm curious uh in in your your guys's experience are there actually good fantasy managers that go into full rebuilds or is it pretty much like all the other formats where if you're good, you're competitive pretty much every year. And I, cause I, you know, why can't you just have a good team all the time? Right? Like why, why are there rebuilds? I don't, so talk to me about this. I think it's mostly that like, if you are a team that is, so I'll say fantasy football dynasty, I've only been in, I only have been in a couple leagues recently. I've been in fantasy basketball dynasty for a lot longer And in that instance, it's like, if your team is built and relying on veterans, older players that you then at a certain point, those guys just aren't getting it done anymore. And so you need to trade off assets in order to like either get young players or get draft picks so that you can then kind of retool your team with a bunch of young guys. Um, I know for me in the fantasy football dynasty league I'm in, I like this off season basically just was like, well, let's, let's completely do a it wasn't a retooling. It was just kind of like, I kind of traded, took, took the, uh, the fantasy boyfriends that I had last year and traded them away for the fantasy boyfriends I had this year. Um, and so basically did my own kind of like, you know, redraft, but for them, you, I think you get managers who, if you've been in the bottom of the league for a long time, you're trying to like trade to get back into it. I, I don't know. I think Jordan, do you, you seem like, I think you've had more experience at dynasty than I have. I would say that sometimes maybe if you just have a really rough season or like a really rough start to the season and you're like, Oh, in four or one in five, the beginning of the year. And you're like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. Let me trade away my stud. Who's like 30 years old and recoup some draft picks. I'll have my own draft pick. That's pretty high. And let's get, uh, let's look towards next season. Cause I don't know if I'm going to you know, rattle off seven wins in a row or like, if you have a couple injuries that are just like, I can't win without X player or Y player and they're both down. So now I'm just going to try to get rid of some of these guys to kind of like match up timelines, I guess. Um, I I tend to, I'm giving away trade secrets here, but I try to (laughs) get rid of guys who are, I think past their prime, like a year early before a year too late. I'm trying to, kind of Belichick my way into some championships and fantasy. <laughs> okay. All right. So regarding the the actual question that I was asked though, sorry about that, Pete, the, the one no, question. Yeah, I think, I think uh, people should totally invest. So I'm, I'm looking at over the caps uh, free agent quarterbacks right now, Dak Prescott, both Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers and Mitchell Trubisky all are going to be free agents uh, next year, as well as actually uh, worth mentioning Ryan Fitzpatrick. So Dak, I mean, depending on how Jerry Jones is feeling at this point, if he's still doing his dumbass thing that like Dak's not a franchise quarterback, I, can you see anything more like Jerry than going to steal the Eagles quarterback and, and be like, we're going to, we're going to have success. Oh, no. with Car- you know, I can, I can see that happening. Don't do that. Jerry. And you, you have to be really bad to not produce fantasy wise as, as the quarterback of the Cowboys right now with what, with the infrastructure yeah. that they have. So that could be interesting. The Colts, I could totally, I mean. The Colts I, make a ton of sense because, um, uh, what's his name's there? Reich? Yes. Yeah. 
It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, if they sign him or they go after him, uh, well, that's, that would say a lot, right. That would say a lot about what Reich thinks of him. Um, so if there's any inkling that Reich is like, if they're sending out feelers, then yeah, definitely go, go snap them up. Cause that's telling you Reich, a very smart coach likes once a lot. So that would be cool. Um, the bears, I mean, I don't believe in Nagy at all, so that might be tough, but that, that probably comes, you know, uh, down to whether or not Allen Robinson resigns and then fits, you know, it's, it's just tough to know what, what Tua is right now. He looks yeah. pretty good, but can a rookie fail in a second year? I mean, yeah, up until like three weeks ago, we were wondering if Baker Mayfield was just toast. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk, let's talk some guys. Oh, sorry, Jordan, you did something. I was just going to add one thing to the Carson Wentz thing is that I, I think this year we may have conflated a little too much his like real football value with his fantasy football value because he was still mm. the number 21 quarterback. And yeah, he had some really bad stinkers, but he also had no wide receivers. He was missing Zach Ertz for a large part of the season. Dallas Goddard missed some games and he put up some 30 point games too. So he was still like, in a two QB dynasty league, he's still moderately playable. And if he gets into like, like Nick said, if he goes to a smart team, like the Colts, that's great. If he goes to a dumb team, like the Jets, then that's not so great. Then you learn from that too. So. What if, what if the Jets go from Trevor Lawrence to, to trading for Carson Wentz as a reclamation project and they keep Adam Gase? Oh my God. I stop the, you guys, it's a Christmas miracle. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's talk about some guys who we are, uh, we are happy to buy low on Nick. Why don't you start us off? All right. So uh, as you said, Pete, there are so many guys to, to choose from here. Um, top of my list right now, this is kind of low hanging fruit, but Kenyon Drake's contract is up at the end of this year. I think Chase Edmonds, uh, he, he definitely gets first crack at the lead back job. I had no doubt that they will bring guys in and they drafted, um, Somebody help me out here. The 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 rookie that they brought in this year yep. from the I know who you're talking about. Like third round pick. Anyway, you know keep, he'll, keep he'll have pontificating. He will, uh, Chase Benjamin. Edmonds will. Yeah, there you go. You know Benjamin. Yeah, so he's going to have uh, competition. I'm sure that they will bring in another rookie to try to just build that group. Edmonds has been good. I I think that uh, we've come to understand that unless a running back is going to get the full dual threat workload that Kenyon Drake had uh, last year when he was acquired, the cards running back is not going to be a running back one. But as far as, you know, if you can get three years of uh, like lead back duties out of Chase Edmonds, that would be awesome. Right. Uh, so if, if he's available right now and he is battling an injury, I don't know how frivolously people cut players in, uh, you know, in, in dynasty, we're trying to make a push, but if he's available in your league due to injury, what have you, I think he'd be a good guy to go at. Dude, this is you're you're talking for Chase Edmonds. That's right. Yeah. Chase Got Edmonds, it. not Kenyon Got Drake. It. Not Kenyon Drake. Yeah. I like that. I mean, we've heard Cliff Kingsbury has said before that like Chase Edmonds is an RB one. And, and we've seen, I mean, we've seen him back that up by splitting so much work. Kenny Drake had a couple, had a stretch in recent weeks where he was, you know, the RB one and, and had a bunch of touchdown production, but he certainly hasn't been doing the dual threat running and receiving that he did last year. And that chase Edmonds brings to the table. So I like that. I think he's a someone, someone who you can get really cheap uh, because a lot of people will just kind of not even think of it as, as a thing. He's someone and and you said this, Nick. He is someone who I would make moves for sooner rather than later because if Ch if uh, Kenyon Drake does leave in free agency, then suddenly Chase Ed like Chase Edmonds seems to be in that come in RB one, and the price might go up for him. But if you can trade now when Chase Edmonds, you know, you you might not know that Kenyon Drake is a free agent uh, and that Kenyon Drake is still on that roster, and and whoever's managing Chase Edmonds is like, ah, oh, I mean, season's over. What do I need with Chase Edmonds for? He was just a waiver wire ad. Then then that's a great one. Yeah, and I, I am being presumptive here and assuming that if the cards really wanted Kenyon Drake, he would not be playing out his contract in, in week 16 right now. Yeah. Uh, all right, so a guy who I am I, – I have so many who I want to talk about, so I'm going to kind of sandwich two guys together. Forgive me, uh, just so that I have another one because there's another one I want to talk on. So we're going to sandwich two guys together, and they're in similar situations, and so I feel like this is my, this is my way of unifying them. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Chris Godwin are both free agents at the end of this year. Both of them have been 
pushed down the pecking order in their respective offenses. Chris Godwin more than Juju, but Juju certainly has also not been the wide receiver one that we thought he was going to be. Deontay Johnson has taken that. Chase Claypool has emerged as an extremely viable receiver. I mean, we know that the Steelers can just produce wide receivers like it's absolutely nothing. And I think, Jordan, I think you said this a while back, but I think the Steelers have outright said that they're like kind of looking to move on from Juju. Am I right? I, I'm not sure if it was a smoke screen, but I think at one point they said that they, it might've been also too, that they're just not discussing contracts just, during the yeah. season, but they said that they weren't looking at extending him. Yeah. So anyway, so, so that's a sign too. And then Chris Godwin, uh, he is, I mean, who knows what this Bucks offense is going to be next year. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of turnover there. The Bucks might sign Chris Godwin to a long-term deal, um, which, which was still, I would still be adding him because I don't think Antonio Brown's going to be there next year. My point is, is that both of these two wide receivers have underperformed what our expectations were for them, but could be in much better situations in 2021. And so I think now is a great time to get them onto your team for a lot cheaper than what they could be. Cause both of them could be like reliable wide receiver ones and fantasy. And this is the time to get those guys onto your team without having to pay for like, they are a reliable wide receiver one, especially Juju, man. Like if Juju fingers crossed, I mean, I love Allen Robinson would love for Allen Robinson. Like, but if Juju feels like a perfect slot replacement to Julian Edelman as a guy, you can play inside outside for the Patriots. Like if Juju went to an offense where he is the guy we might, he, he might f- get back into that reliably wide receiver two, you know, wide receiver two floor, wide receiver one upside. So both those guys are guys who I'm targeting in, in dynasty leagues for this, uh, this season off season. Yeah. I think as far as the um, Juju Smith Schuster situation goes, I think he's just kind of trapped a little bit in a very crowded wide receiver room. So if he was able to get to somewhere where there's maybe only one other really solid option, then that might be a a really good opportunity. And um, there are definitely people out there in fantasy circles, because I am one of them who just doesn't think Juju Smith-Schuster is all that great. So you can probably get him for pretty cheap if uh, somebody has soured on him. Jordan, who you got? Who you like uh, as a buy-low candidate in Dynasty? Um, So my buy-low candidate might still be a free agent for some people. Um, because he's only uh, how many percent is owned? 43% owned. Um, so you might be able to still get him. And I think I might be a little behind the curve on this one too, um, is Dan Arnold down in Arizona. Um, it looks like he's kind of emerging as the tight end option for the Cardinals and Kyler Murray really likes him as a player. Um, he's 25 right now and he's been in the league, let's see, four years now. And um, didn't play at all in his first year. I think he was an undrafted free agent, just didn't attach onto a team. Uh, but he was a wide receiver converted to a tight end. So that definitely slowed down um, what he was trying to do in terms of developing into an NFL tight end. And it usually takes a couple of years anyway for rookies to come in and um, start producing. We've seen that, um, you know, across the spectrum, uh, TJ Hawkinson breaking out this year or Robert Tanyan in Green Bay, who's been um, with the team for a couple of years now, is finally getting his shot to start. So I think if Dan Arnold can continue to be like um, a little bit of a quarterback favorite, uh, then I think that's somebody that could eventually blossom into uh, a top tight end. And for Dynasty Leagues, finding more than one tight end is very difficult um, because of how deep the benches go, how deep the rosters go. And Honestly, good luck drafting rookie tight ends. If they don't go in the first round, they're very hard to find. And he gives you that saucy tight end wide receiver split designation, at least in some leagues. I know in sleeper leagues, you can play both as a wide receiver or a tight end. So if you ever need tight end production at the wide receiver position. I mean, who says no? I think one of the (laughs) things that he has going for him that not many people do is that he might be related to the character Sawyer from Lost. Mm. Um, I'm just... They do look similar. Just spitball. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Arnold, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, that was all really well said. If you can find a tight end, like in any format, that's terrific. He's kind of been a guy that the like high stakes community likes to jokingly say that they're going to draft for best ball. Cause he has had a few spikes performances like here and there. Um, it would be really cool to see Cliff Kingsbury continue to have Murray like, uh, utilize him because he really hasn't been a, a tight end 
guy. Um, but I think that that would be a cool dynamic to bring to the, to the Cardinals offense. So if, if this does in fact pan out, I think it, even if you don't have him, everybody kind of wins. Cause I think it's going to be an improved, uh, product on the field. Plus the dude is six, six. And it's like, good Lord, how can you, how can that not succeed? I mean, I just feel like yeah. if, you, if you're tall, you win. John Elway wants to know if he plays quarterback too. <laughs> All right. So to, uh, always to- on the phone. It's to kind of kick some things up here. So Odell Beckham Jr. can be cut for a savings of $45 million and there's zero dead money. Donovan Peoples-Jones has been killing it over the last few weeks. His, his, uh, his average has no time target, for our jokes. He's going right into his next one. <laughs> is, I mean, I made one and it flopped. If I'm you know, I, I just felt like I was going to move on, but, uh, Peoples Jones, he's got like a 26 yard average depth of target. And you know, that's, that's not going to hold, but like, He's been succeeding and it's, it's cool to see someone who's very, very young develop, you know, he, he was a, a, an athletic freak prospect, not a crisp route running prospect. We talked about him, uh, you know, in, in the lead up to the draft uh, last year. And it's nice to see a guy just kind of develop as the season goes on and succeed in ways that are, are improbable for him to succeed. Odo Beckham Jr. basically plays the downfield role, uh, as, as, as we call it, the Stefan Diggs role in the Kevin Stefanski offense. If Beckham, you know, if, if depending on how these this latest injury heals, I could see the team. So I think they have four or they have uh, 30 million in cap space, I think, next year. I mean, if they could gain 45 million over the next three years, it's, it's just a clean 15 million uh or practically clean 15 million every year for the next three years. There's no money lost. I could see them cutting him uh, and just elevating Donovan Peoples Jones and sort of, you know, Higgins is like a, a wide receiver duo there, but Peoples Jones, his ceiling is drastically higher than Richard Higgins is. So he, he would be someone that I would definitely be trying to acquire at this point. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, and I also feel like, I feel like we're starting to come into this where there is this weird thing that and we've seen it in backfields, Sean McVay's backfield, for instance, but there is this kind of dilemma of like paying a star at a position, spe- specifically wide receiver or running back a lot of money and then feeling the need to like get the ball to that person. And if that doesn't work for your offense, not being able to like say, all right, we're just going to spread it around and just kind of like go to the hot hand. And when you get these instances where, you know, you don't have Odell, now suddenly the ball gets spread around more evenly and you get other people spiking because it's not like, all right, we need to get Odell his touches. I wonder if we start seeing a transition away from like, I don't know, are we going to start devaluing wide receivers now? <laughs> is is that the next trend in the NFL to not pay these top wide receivers a ton of money because of the fact that on some of them, some guys, DeAndre Hopkins, if you have your offense run through DeAndre Hopkins, good for you. You should never trade away a prospect like DeAndre Hopkins. The guy's phenomenal. But if you, but if, if I don't know, it's it's something that I, I saw on Twitter and I thought was an interesting idea that maybe the devaluing of, of wide receivers is coming next. Well, yeah. I mean, so uh, that discussion has kind of been had with Kyle Shanahan over the last mm, couple of years totally. where, where that offense just gets guys who fit very specific roles and they just do those roles and they, they don't really have, I mean, Debo, he is the, the number one, he is the X, but like, you know, normal X's don't get uh negative air yards. Right. At the Debo, end of a Debo, game. Debo's yeah. is the number one receiver who finishes with a hundred yards on negative air yards. Yeah. So I, I think it is turning into a, a platoon. It's, it's, it's turning, the position can be turned and, turn into a platoon like a backfield and if you can find a way to save money at a position the nfl is going to start doing it and i like donovan people's jones a lot that's a great call just because of the fact that we've seen baker mayfield look much better with in these recent weeks and so i when that's the ultimate investment that the browns have is right we need to make baker mayfield succeed and when you find someone with his connection with donovan people's jones and how that's just helped with jarvis landry and with rashad higgins like I wouldn't be surprised if you see that that helps people's Jones get kind of pushed more into the role in 2021, because ultimately it's got to make, you got to make Baker look good and make Baker be successful. And he's been a lot more successful in the back half of the year than the front half. Yeah. I like Donovan people's Jones. He's one of those guys that came out of the draft. That was just like a high relative athletic score guy. Like he just had a a ton of very good uh, measurables coming out of the combine and out of uh, the pro days and all that good stuff. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. I think is a player that like 
now I don't have any data backing this up, and this is all just kind of taking a walk down narrative street here, but I think he needs like a quarterback who is, and there's not that many of these out there, but a quarterback who is like kind of in charge of the franchise on like a respect level and somebody who Odell can be like, you know, this guy's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. And I respect his football acumen. I don't think Odell Beckham or not Odell Beckham Baker Mayfield, especially not last year, wasn't that quarterback. Uh, he might not even still be that quarterback, but he's doing better just because I don't think he has to think as much about making sure he gets Odell sure. Beckham Jr. the football. Um, whereas like for all of Eli Manning's faults, and we're not going to have a Hall of Fame Eli Manning debate right now, but He's not. before he before his very noticeable decline, he was at least a guy who was like in charge of the organization and in charge of like the offense and somebody who knew how to get Odell Beckham Jr. the ball within the flow of the game, um, which like it came more natural. And when Odell was out there with the Browns, despite him getting 13 targets, it just did not feel like a natural thing. So God, he, you would he needs like, uh, like a, a Tom Brady or like a uh, a Patrick Mahomes. Like you don't want to give these guys more weapons than they already got, but you need somebody who just has kind of that that cachet and like that sort of level, you know, somebody like that. And I don't, I don't know Baker Mayfield. That. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I would watch. I had Baker. I had a uh, Odell on my roster. Cause yet again, I just couldn't talk myself out of it. Uh, and so I drafted him. And so I want, I would watch Brown's games and could, you're totally right. Jordan, he would get 13, 14, 15 targets, but every single one of them felt forced. None of them like felt in the flow of a game plan. It was all just like, all right, all wide receivers do some other shit. Odell's running a comeback. And that's the only thing Baker's looking at. Cause we need to get Odell, you know, 10 yards here. And it would be contested and it would be, uh, you know, a 50, 50 jump ball and it w- often wouldn't work for him. So I totally, I totally get, I totally get that where it's just like, it didn't feel natural. And I think he needs to go into offense where it would feel natural. And I don't know what that is, but hopefully he finds it. We're hoping for the best for you, Odell. We all want the best for you. Uh, all right. I'm going to hijack my own segment again and break the rules because I just am a terrible person, but I again, have these people connected. There is a similarity here. Uh, and I'm talking about, uh, you guys will appreciate this because I'm talking about both both of your teams. So just, I'm really here just to appease appease you guys. AJ Dillon for the Packers, Rashad Penny for the Seahawks. Both of them could step into massive roles in 2021 because for the Packers, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are all free, are both free agents. And Chris Carson is a free agent for the Seahawks. Rashad Penny is, Rashad Penny is coming off of an ACL tear, right? Uh, and it's and just recently took the field yes or this past weekend for the first time this season um so he's someone who is more or less a complete afterthought yet we saw him last year put up some really good numbers at the end of the year and there was a lot of hype about him until he tore his acl uh and so he's certainly and we know that pete you know there's nothing that pete carroll loves more than running the football so investing in the seahawks backfield particularly the young running back who could be in line for the bulk share of the Seahawks touches seems like a great no brainer to me. And then for AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon has seen some touches this year, but very few when he has, uh, I, I like him. I like him. He busted off a big run, uh, last week, which, uh, which had Becca all kinds of hyped when, when we were watching the game, but with, with like, he was drafted for this express reason that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents at the end of this year. I don't know what the Packers will do. Jordan is an insider. He is very connected with the Packers organization. So I'm sure he can reflect uh, and, and tell us more about what their plans are for this off season. But I like, he's a second round running back who they got for a reason. And so I think by, if you can get either of those two guys on your roster for dynasty, I think that they're going to pay, uh, pay off big time. Personally, I hope the uh, Seahawks don't move on from Chris Carson because I just traded for him and I wanted uh, I want him to have continued success um, in Seattle and let Rashad Penny, um, I don't know, have a good backup role. Fester in the bench. (laughs) Get rid of Carlos Hyde because I'm tired of him stealing my 50 yard touchdown runs. Um, And. For the Packers, I, I think it would be a little bit harder to get A.J. Dillon on a buy low sort of thing because I think people who have drafted him in Dynasty Leagues kind of drafted him for this for that foreseen reason. instance is because 
Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones both have contracts up. Um, I think it's more likely that the Packers re-sign Aaron Jones to like a manageable deal and let Jamal Williams walk so A.J. Dillon can kind of fill in. Um, but A.J. Dillon, it, you still might be able to because um, Dillon missed a lot of games this year. Um, he got hit with the COVID-19 virus. So that like he was one of the guys that really got like knocked on his ass from it. And he was just not um, able to participate in the flow of uh, the regular NFL season. So maybe somebody who wasn't paying all that close attention to what A.J. Dillon was going through personally would be like, oh, he didn't do anything this year. Maybe he's not that good. So here you go for a pile of change. So uh, Penny is not someone who I would trust, but I will be the first person to say that I'm very biased because it was just a terrible ass pick, as, you know, first round running back. Um, because so no had, ulterior motives for hating this pick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay. So, so his body though. So he, his, he's taken a really long time to recover from this ACL tear, like way longer than, than, than normal, than, than should have, than it should have taken. And I was just, uh, clarifying that it, he didn't tear anything else. I thought he did tear more than his ACL, but from what I just said, it, it, it was just the ACL, which is almost more worrisome that it, it took so long. Um, this is actually, this is his third year on the team and it took him ages to get on the field because he ballooned to like over 240 pounds when he, you know, he's drafted at 220 and then came into camp as a rookie, like fat basically. And so, so we, he has, he has basically commitment issues. He he's now he's got a, a you know, a, an ACL uh, repaired in his knee and, and Carson, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're not keeping Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde just looks like he's running in molasses when he's out there. I wouldn't be surprised if they re-sign Carson and, and Penny stays as the number two people really, really were high on him uh, as a rookie. And I just didn't get it because of Carson. Um, and, and he's not, he's not an impressively athletic athlete. I, th- I think he's like a little above average, but he's really not special anyway. I, I get it though, because of the fact that the two backs uh, on the team ahead of him are, you know, uh, potentially gone. I think it, it's a prudent move to make, but I, I wouldn't get pumped about it. Like, you know, JJ Zacharyson was like taking his pants off over it. Um, as, as far as Dylan goes, Keep I mean, pants I on, JJ. yeah. Uh, as far as Dylan goes, I, I it's going to come down to what the hell that front office thinks. And I've got nothing good to say about that front office. So I could see them keeping him and rolling this guy who had like 950 carries out there thinking that he's going to have a, a long career. I, I, you know, I don't know, but again, it's sort of in the same vein, like there's reason to believe the the leader of the backfield might be gone. So it, it makes sense to add him. Um, talking about a guy who's not the leader of a backfield, Mike Davis is a free agent after this year. So I would be looking at uh, it's either Trent or Trenton, but I think I think it's uh, Trenton Cannon, the number three running back there. When Davis kind of got uh, the Jarek McKinnon like burned out legs uh, partway through his time when he was filling in for McCaffrey, uh, Trenton Cannon was the guy who went out there and and got some work. To my recollection, he was getting some passing game work too. I don't think that McCaffrey is just this like injury bust from now on, but. Uh, a high ankle sprain as we've talked about is really bad and it's something that can come up again like those ligaments never you know they never get back to 100 he now that's not to say he can't go play eight more years in the league i think he can but investing in the number two back in the carolina backfield is just a smart thing to do um as 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 a bench member assuming that you know dynasty leagues you've got a big bench mm-hmm. uh at your disposal um i also we, we need to learn more about the shoulder injury and we will in the off season, but you know, someone like Dalvin cook, who has uh, a messed up SC joint, when that thing gets tweaked, he can't, he has no ball security. We saw in, in 2019, he had like three fumbles through two games after this thing flared up. If McCaffrey's dealing with any uh, thing that's, that's close to that, you know, these are just, these are injuries that we need to keep an eye on. Uh, for a running back and you know running backs they get beat the hell up it's it's a car crash every time they get tackled yeah. so Trenton Cannon is a guy to, to keep an eye on like that counterpoint been holding this joke for like five minutes Rashad Penny was a great draft pick because it motivated the Seahawks to draft DK Metcalf who is just a 
tank who cares about his physical fitness and his body. That's that's a really good point. And I, I think that <laughs> that shows what a good drafter John Schneider is and that this organization was not built by Scott McLuhan, who somehow his alcoholism does not impact his work, which is incredible. But uh, anyway, we'd love to get McLuhan back in the building. That would be cool. Just a functioning Dom Draper. <laughs> there you go. Now the pendulum's going to swing back, and the uh, the Seahawks are going to draft some guy who has uh, control has trouble controlling his uh, his body weight. His his line was he just keeps it to beer now because oh, he was well, drinking he was drinking vodka in Gatorade bottles, and now he couldn't oh. do that. That oh things went wrong there. But when he, he said I just keep it to beer now, then a, you get a lot fuller with beer. <laughs> let me say. It's really it's hard harder. to drink a ton of beer than it is to drink a ton of hard alcohol. Also in public, it, it, if you're pouring silver Good bullets Lord. out. It, anyway, all right. On to the next. Uh, um, Jordan, do you have any final Dynasty ads? Um, yeah, just real quick, I'll do this one. My last one is just going to be Adam Thielen. Um, he's had a couple of dud games that I think might have made people sour on him a little bit. Um, he's 30 years old, so that might cause people to, you know, kind of hit the panic switch a little bit and be like, oh, I need to get this guy before he, you know, completely falls off of a cliff. And the emergence of Justin Jefferson as like one of the top wide receivers in the league basically might have people thinking like, oh, I don't feel it's not a number one wide receiver anymore. Let me get whatever I can for him, especially in a team that's like very committed to running the football. Um, that might be somebody that you can get for like a pretty decent price. Who's not going to give you like the Adam Thielen of two years ago type of fantasy points where he's dropping, you know, 20 bombs every game, but he's still like that guy that you can plug in and like your wide receiver two and like the various flex positions that you have in dynasty um, to put up consistent points on a week to week. Yeah, he's a he's a guy who is going to I think you're totally right Jordan that people I think in in 2021 Justin Jefferson is going to be the number 1 wide receiver in Minnesota. He is going to be the the you know the guy you go draft from that team and I think there's going to be a lot of people who do sour on Adam Thielen and that you can get him at a discount understanding that his role is no longer wide receiver 1 uh with a wide receiver 1 floor but rather, you know, maybe uh high-end wide receiver three floor with wide receiver one upside on any given day of the week, but predominantly will probably be a mid-tier, maybe slightly low-tier uh, wide receiver two. And and I think that that is something that you can get him for in, in trades on Dynasty Leagues and is a, is a part that you need for your team. Like I, I, for instance, would love to have him as my like wide, wide receiver two or three, uh, especially since for me this year, I was dealing with DJ Chark being my wide receiver three all year long which sucked uh, because after a great year last year, TJ Chark didn't really do anything this year. So having a wide receiver three, who is a basically a, a surefire lock to get you double digit PPR points every game. Yeah. I would love to do that. Delightful. Uh, all right. I know I said in the pre-show notes that we were going to talk favorite plays for week 16, but it is late. We've talked a lot about, uh, and rightfully so, Josh Jacobs. So quickly, I will open the floor if you guys did prepare for that and do want to share a week fifth, a week 16 play that you are high on, then knock it out. If not, we will just then wrap things up. I'll just say again, Brandon Ayuk, because he has been a guy that's consistently been able to for- perform, and I love it. I love it so much. Um. I think that uh, for a lot of folks who added Jalen Hurts, it was done out of a position of luxury because I think that when he kind of broke out or broke out, when he got the job, he was such an unknown. We didn't know if he was going to be able to throw the ball. So I'm assuming that a lot of people who have him are in the playoffs right now and they were able to just add this guy to their bench. They probably had a, a really good starter. At this point against Dallas, I would start Jalen Hurts over many entrenched Pretty much uh, starters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I will see where he lands in the rankings tomorrow, but I think probably like QB six, maybe QB five. So if, if yeah. you're wondering if you have any questions like, Hey, you know, is he the real deal? Should I actually trust him? I, I dropped, you know, Matt Breida for him or what? Like, yeah, yeah, do it. I also like, I'll quickly throw someone in. I like Darnell Mooney for the bears. He's been, he's put together four like decent wide receiver three uh, games coming off of a good one against the Vikings where he had 49 yards and a touchdown. 
uh, and they play the Jaguars this week. And this Bears offense is suddenly clicking and vibing. And so I'll uh, I'll fire him up. Mooney is an interesting dynasty ad. Should Alan Robinson Ooh, leave Chicago? Nick Butterford. Tying it all say, together. Even if Alan Robinson doesn't leave, I definitely think he kind of replaces the Anthony Miller target. Yeah. So, for sure. So Darnell Mooney, buy low dynasty target. And someone you should just get now to play in week 16. Oh, we're so good. Um, awesome. All right. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the fake teams podcast, wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball show. Basketball starts on Tuesday as you're listening to this. So make sure you, uh, tune in to the fantasy basketball podcast. If that's what you play, uh, follow us on Twitter at, I have to remember what podcast I'm talking about at RB one podcast. Follow myself at Peter Rogers. Follow uh, Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Best of luck to everyone who is playing in meaningful fantasy games still until the peace.